and welcome back to Watch Once Never Again, the podcast where we watch disturbing movies so that you don't have to. I'm Dax. I'm Mary Beth. And today, we hey. are here to talk about um, a director that I really love and a movie that I love just so much, and it sounds like you do too. Yes, I think. <laughs> um, it's called Welcome to the Dollhouse Not to be confused with the Danity Kane album Welcome to the Dollhouse Oh, oh my god, Danity Kane! <gasps> did, did, did they have a reality show on MTV? Yeah, I think they were on Making the Band, weren't they? That's what it was, yes, that's right Oh my god Anyway Show stopping, wow. show, show stopping Oh my god, you are just taking me back! Wait, no, because I actually really like them. <laughs> and I have, I don't know if you know this about me. Um, I have like a 17 and a half hour diva playlist that I've been putting together for like three years. Do you know this what? about me? I do not know this about you. Holy shit. Are you serious? Yeah. So um, oh my God. when I started, when I made it like the first day, it was like 14 hours long. Um and it's only women. There's um, I couldn't even put Paramore on there because there's guys in the band. So can I use this playlist for my wedding playlist and just replace it? <laughs> I just use that <laughs> one for my wedding. <laughs> Absolutely, you can. That's the, what I've been creating it for. Oh my god! It, that's the venue it deserves. It's so long. Um, it's, so good. it's it's called the Perfect Pop Diva Playlist. Text. This is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. And, and uh-huh. something about this playlist you should know. There is what? so much Whitney Houston on it that <laughs> uh, that the entire cover is just all Whitney Houston album covers. Because I love her. I don't know if you know this about me. I love her so much. <laughs> I knew you loved her. I did not know you. I did not know the depth. Now I do. I love her so much. I have her stuff on vinyl. <laughs> I'm an o- I'm that. like an OG Whitney fan. Okay. Um, yeah, I love that. Fuck yeah. And it also deviates a little bit from pop. Like there's a lot of like R and B in there, and even some rap okay. and stuff. Fuck yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, so that amazing playlist aside, we're talking about Welcome to the Dollhouse. <laughs> <laughs> talking about Todd Solon's Welcome to the Dollhouse. His second feature film. So, Dax, why? I, before we jump into this movie, I want to know a little bit why you've you've cho- we, you have chosen this man for our series and why this is uh, the director you have chosen. I know you've wanted to talk about his stuff for a while since we started this. I really like him. I think that he's just really interesting and fucked up, but really funny. It's like my style of humor not all of it because it does get a little crass at times um yeah with like (laughs) some like we'll say not so pc language yeah you you think (laughs) but the biting satire and just uh black comedy that's totally my thing i love it and i like that his whole oeuvre like just shows his experience of being a suburban New Jersey person, which I am uh-huh. also a suburban New Jersey person. Okay. Um, and I just think I actually wrote a note that I I was like, is he John Waters like 
Wario, or is he like a um, like an Ari Aster light? What do you think of that? Oh. I like the Jed Waters comparison a little bit more than Ari Aster, I think. I think that makes more sense. Which I one? Todd, the, what about the John, the John Waters comparison? Yeah. I feel like... I feel like Todd Solondz is a little bit lowbrow, but, like, purposefully lowbrow, so he kind of leans into, mm. like... Okay, and okay, so I'm saying this based on only I've seen Welcome to the Dollhouse. I have not seen any of his other movies, so what I am saying is based off of my sample size of one. So this is my current observation, and also based on the the the, the rumblings I have heard about his other films. But like he he dabbles in lowbrow to make a a point, like John Waters does. So I feel like mm-hmm. he does. Ari Aster to me feels a little bit more highbrow and tries to be a little bit more artsy, um, in my opinion. So I like the John, but I really like the John Waters comparison. Thank you. You're yeah, welcome. I. He's definitely. <laughs> it would be an Ari Aster light light. <laughs> um, but but it's funny to call it. It would be so funny to call it light because absolutely nothing fucking about this is light. Like Todd Sol. So. I guess, like, Todd Solon's work is so, most similar to the strange thing about the Johnsons short from Ari Aster. I think yeah. those two are very, very similar. And that's a, really what I was thinking of. Like, okay. it's a little bit dark comedy, a, very, very, like, repulsive, but you can't look away, and it's it just turns everything that you expect on its head. Mm-hmm. And that's just something I really like to see. And I I love a repulsive movie. Like <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Obviously. That's why we're friends. That's why we're here. Yeah, that's why we're here. And I don't mean repulsive, and I'm sure you agree with this. I don't necessarily mean repulsive as in like body horror. You know? Yeah. I I mean repulsive as in these ideas, who came up with them and how yeah. long have they been in jail for them? Yeah, you know. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, oh my I just God, that's the best way. To... <laughs> How long have they been imprisoned for their thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I just really find his brain interesting. I find his characters very interesting. His, I, I like something that I like about him, and I would say John Waters is that they're a little bit laughing at you, like they're oh, lowbrow, yeah. but it's on purpose because they're oh, smarter yeah. than you. Yes. That's, they want you to feel fucking like. uncomfortable. They want you to feel uncomfortable. They want you to feel like dirty for liking the things you like, but they like it too, and they're dirty too. And they want you to know that they could be highbrow. That they're smart enough to be highbrow, but they actively choose not to be because for I don't even know why. <laughs> Maybe by the end of yeah. the series we'll figure it out. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe just because they're just not pretentious. Not that being highbrow makes you pretentious, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, and I think they're just like, they're spitting in the face of art and like what people think art is supposed to be. I think. I think they're trying to redefine what is also acceptable on screen and like playing so much with taboo like welcome to the dollhouse i mean come on a lot of what's happening in this movie is uh <laughs> fucked because it's a seventh grader yeah and we'll get into it more throughout the series but yeah he 
he and and John Waters, they both take everything that you think they would be offended by, and they're like, I'm not offended by that. Here, yep. I'll do it worse than you. Yep. Yep. You know, I yep. I really like that. and But it never feels like something, a difference here is that with um, Salons, and the jury's still out on how you pronounce that. You say Salons, I say Salons. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, it matters, but we don't know the answer. <laughs> um, oh, a difference between them is that Salons never feels like he's doing it for the sake of being outrageous, where I think John Waters does sometimes do that, and I don't mind it because that's what I come to a John Waters film for. Yeah. Um, but that is a difference that I would note, is, is that, like, Welcome to the Dollhouse is very cohesive, um, it's a it's a story through and through. It's not a bunch of scenes put together like one shocking thing after the other just to upset you. You know. Yeah. It will upset you, and it is scenes put together to upset you. But there's just something. There's more of a story arc there. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to hear your thoughts about this movie after we explain what the fuck it's about. Okay, so. According to Wikipedia, which we will definitely be highly using throughout this series in particular, because mm-hmm. some of these other movies go real batshit. Okay, according to Wikipedia, it says, 11-year-old Dawn Wiener is a shy and unpopular 7th grader living in a middle-class suburban community in New Jersey. Her older brother, Mark, is a nerdy high school student who plays clarinet in a garage band and shuns girls in order to prepar- uh, prepare for college. Her younger sister, Missy, is spoiled and manipulative. She pesters Dawn and dances around the house in a tutu. Her mother, Marge, is a shrewish woman who dotes on Missy and sides with her in disputes with Dawn. Her father, Harve, is a meek man who sides with Marge over Dawn. Her only friend is a feminine sixth grade boy named Ralphie, with whom she shares a dilapidated clubhouse in her backyard. At school, Dawn is ridiculed and her locker is covered in graffiti. At home, Marge punishes her for calling Missy a quote lesbo (laughs) and, (laughs) and refusing to apologize. Her teacher unfairly keeps her after school after one of her bullies, Brandon McCarthy, tries to copy her answers on a test. Later, Dawn gets in trouble again after accidentally hitting another teacher in the eye with a spitball in self-defense when Brandon and his, and his friends bully her during an assembly. Mark's classmate, Steve Rogers, a handsome and charismatic aspiring rock musician, agrees to join the band in exchange for Mark's help in school. Dawn pursues him romantically when they spend time together, though one of Steve's former girlfriends tells her that she has no chance of being with him. After Dawn calls Brandon, oh, I'm not saying that word, an R word, (laughs) during a confrontation, he threatens her with rape. His first attempt to assault her after school fails, but shortly afterward, he phones her, according to me, uh, ordering her to meet him again the next day. When she complies, he takes her to a junkyard where he starts an earnest conversation with her and kisses her instead. 
at dinner that evening when she refuses to tear down her clubhouse to make room for her parents' 20th anniversary party, Marge tells Mark and Missy to destroy it anyway and gives them Dawn's share of dessert. Dawn and Brandon spend time in her clubhouse, but she confesses to him her feelings for Steve, causing him to storm out. Ralphie, who was spying on them, tries to comfort Dawn, but she angrily rejects him when he insults Brandon, leaving her with no friends. At the anniversary party, Dawn intends to proposition Steve, but gets cold feet and is rebuffed. Steve plays with Missy, who pushes Dawn into a kiddie pool. That evening, the family watches a videotape of the, <laughs> of the party, <laughs> laughing when <laughs> laughing when Dawn falls into the water. Later, <laughs> later, Dawn smashes the tape and briefly brandishes her hammer over Missy as she sleeps. A few days later, Brandon is arrested and expelled from school for a suspected drug dealing. Meanwhile, Harv's car breaks down and Marge has to pick him up. She instructs Dawn to tell Missy to get a ride home with her ballet teacher, but she chooses not to. But she chooses not to after arguing with Missy, who is kidnapped as a result. I'm sorry. It's so funny. <laughs> so that was written a little messy. Um, so I just want to clarify that um, Dawn's mother writes a note for Missy that Dawn is supposed to give to her, and the note tells Missy to get a ride home with her ballet teacher. But in the moment, um, Dawn goes to give her the note and decides to pocket it instead. So Missy goes to ballet, never gets picked up, and then she's kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's so funny. I don't care. It's fucking hysterical. <laughs> Dawn visits Brandon's home and meets his mentally challenged brother and aggressive father. She tells Brandon that she wants to be his girlfriend, but he tells her that he is running away to New York City to avoid being sent to a, reform a reformatory. After they kiss, an argument about him dealing drugs ensues, with him saying that one of his friends is the real culprit. Regardless, he asks Dawn if she will come with him, but she declines and he leaves through his bedroom window. When Marge informed... When Marge is informed that Missy's tutu was found in Times Square, Dawn goes to New York City to look for her. After a night of searching, she phones home, and Mark tells her that Missy was found alive and unharmed by police after being abducted by a pedophilic neighbor. Dawn returns to town, and her classmates ridicule her as she delivers a thank you speech. Mark later tells her that she cannot expect school life to get any better until high school. On a bus ride to Walt Disney World for a concert tour, Dawn sits among her fellow choir members and unenthusiastically joins them in singing the school anthem. The end. The end, man. So you had never seen this movie before? Nope. I've never seen any of his movies. Okay. This movie used to be on TV a lot, I remember. Really? I, I'm fairly certain it used to be on tv all the time when i was younger oh. um because huh. i watched it a lot a lot and i didn't own it until like a few years ago on dvd it's a really ugly dvd also just so you know ew rip um it should be a criterion i've been saying that for years it should be criterion are any of his is any of his stuff in the criterion collection no not that i know of and I find that in just really ridiculous. Yeah, that is ridiculous. Yeah, I've been saying for years this one should be. And I'm right. I agree. 
Yeah, I used to watch this a lot. So you've never seen it before. Tell me. <laughs> Tell me what you were thinking during and after. Um, you know, I keep waffling back and forth about what I think about this movie between thinking it's hysterical and it's and it being very fucking upsetting, uh, which I feel is probably the point. But <laughs> okay, no, let's do us. I. I have never seen such a bleak representation of getting bullied as a fucking seventh grader. Right? <laughs> like, this poor... My first note is this poor fucking kid. Like, all... I just felt so sad for her. But also wanted to laugh. And I felt I felt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? But it was like, it was a very weird experience of being both perturbed and upset but both wanting to laugh at just how ridiculous the scenarios were yeah i mean it's really over the top like really really over the top bullying but for me when i so my first note is is this movie just disturbing enough to be on our podcast and within the first five minutes, there's so much homophobia and transphobia <laughs> that it's absurd. And you can't, you can't help but laugh. No. It's just, <laughs> it's absurd. It's like, so just, much. It's a lot. It's very 95. It's very 90s. Very much that vibe. But like, whew. Yeah. And, and for me, I mean, being a queer kid in the 90s like knowing already you know um and and in especially in the 2000s for some reason when it got like actually not for some reason it can all be traced back to george bush but we won't go there today yeah (laughs) um (laughs) that's actually pretty accurate to what it was like and that i mean more so depending on where you lived this is in new jersey (laughs) Uh, a pretty liberal place (laughs) And I don't know. I just remember growing up, people were just super fucking homophobic, right? Left and center. I mean, you know this. I mean, go back and watch Hostel. (laughs) That was the mid-aughts, you know, um, when people were starting to know better. (laughs) It's just so much homophobia. Um, So to me, and then how bleak of a representation of bullying it is. I'm like, I think it deserves to be on the list. If nothing more than being so repulsive for being so incredibly cringeworthy. Yeah, I think I agree. I think, and it's like, it's one of those things where there's such a weird air of like cruelty in this movie too. Like, it's not just a girl's getting made fun of. It's a girl getting threatened to get raped and she's in seventh grade. Like, this movie is both silly and terrifyingly violent even though nothing violent like nothing nothing super violent happens but there's always an air of a threat of violence which is really fucking scary especially because she's a child yeah and she doesn't she doesn't quite know what anything is either so she doesn't know if something bad really will happen because she doesn't even know what it is yeah and like i mean I also see this movie as, like, the quintessential middle child movie because Dawn is the middle child and she has her younger sister, Missy, that we talked about being, like, this little snobby brat 
who's always in a tutu dancing in their front fucking yard in the sprinkler and like it, the most it such an incredibly weird depiction of suburbia in like one fr- in like one frame or like sequence of just a little girl dancing in the front yard like something about it is so f- perfect and bizarre um <laughs> with that image like so we have her as the golden child and the nerdy brother who's obsessed with college applications which is hysterical and it's just like don just exists as the middle child that no one really cares about and it's so funny because if that's the middle child experience from what i have seen i am not a middle child so i'm not speaking from direct experience but <laughs> oh i am yeah i am oh you're a middle child. oh you're a middle child oh yeah tell me is this, is this a middle child movie it was my observation correct oh my god yeah like when i was watching it <laughs> i literally said out loud i was watching it with someone and i was like i am the dawn meter of my family <laughs> but yeah it's totally middle child i'm i'm this isn't even like something i'm not gonna say this for like uh sympathy or anything i straight up am the forgotten child um i'm you can ask anyone in my life they know it um and so i understand you know to some extent how dawn feels i think i don't care as much like i don't want i don't care as much about getting the attention like dawn actively tries to seek attention like going to times square to try to find missy that was so that people would love her not because she wants to find missy (laughs) (laughs) not because she cares where missy is she has like a little daydream that i'm surprised the um wikipedia thing didn't talk about when she goes to Times Square to find her, um, she has like a daydream that she does find her, and then everyone in her life goes, "Oh, Dawn, I love you, Dawn. Thank you for bringing her home, and you're the best daughter anyone could have." Like, <laughs> which is really sad when you think about it, because it's like all she wants is to be loved, and everyone fucking yep. hates her. I know, and like that's it's like she's so she get like you can. Just, even just in the course of the movie, can see her becoming more hardened to everything. And it, it's so sad to see that, like, a little kid has to grow up so quickly because everyone just is, like, bent on hating her for no real reason other than, like, she exists. And it's so fucking fucked up. <laughs> like, and it's funny because you can see that she's the lowest of the low on the totem pole. Like, in the, in the first couple minutes of the movie when Brendan... Er, Brandon, sorry. It's Brandon is played by Brendan Sexton. <laughs> um, so I keep going back and forth. That was weird, by the way, seeing him play that character. <laughs> I know. I, I was like, do you always play like a bigot? <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. He, like, he was the friend on? in um, Boys Don't Cry. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, by the way, his girlfriend, like in real life, has like a podcast that I really love um called Hollywood Crime Scene. Oh. So um free advertisement huh. for them. He actually oh. seems like a very delightful person. <laughs> um so no shade to him. But anyway, in the beginning of the movie, Brandon is picking on this nerd and Dawn goes up to Brandon and all his friends and is like, "Hey, leave him alone." and stands up for the kid. So they eventually, like, do leave, and the kid is, like, sprawled out on the ground with all his books or whatever. 
And Donna's like, are you okay? And the kid is like, get away from me, wiener dog. <laughs> it's like, um, sir. <laughs> like, even, even the nerds hate her. In all caps, the cruelty of children. And like, how, uh, like, and how this captures, like, how nasty kids can be. Like, to- this is not being like, oh, kids are mean. It's like, no, kids are fucking hateful beings. Like, They're this is ruthless. Some ruthless, like, they will... And again, we keep going back to the end, but, like, when she's giving a speech about her do- her sister being found after being kidnapped, like, everyone just starts changing wiener dog at her. And she's, like, trying to give this heartfelt thing about her sister being alive, and everyone is just ridiculing her. <laughs> it's just, like, this poor fucking kid cannot catch a goddamn break. Like, I, I want a sequel where she just goes on a rampage. <laughs> I I believe... Heather Matarazzo was like really upset that she didn't even get offered um, the role of Dawn in, I believe, his Wiener Dog. I actually haven't seen that movie, but um, she didn't even know that, like, anything about it until, you know, the movie was out and people started questioning her, I guess. Isn't that sad? That's such a bummer. Like, She's an icon in this movie. Let's just talk about her now. Like, she's an, an icon in this movie. I mean, like, I I I knew Heather Matarazzo from The Princess Diaries. Um, she's Lily, the incredible best friend character. She's the best. And I wish that Heather Matarazzo was more of a star. Like, I, she's incredible. Like She's her, a star in my eyes. Like, her performance in this film, she's 11 years old, and she perfectly captures the the innocent rage you feel as a as like a preteen and especially because she's i mean obviously she's going through like a very extreme version of being a seventh grader but at the same time like she captures that rage of like not really it's like you're not old enough to truly understand the world but you kind of get it and you're just incredibly frustrated and everything is terrible and kids are fucking terrible and your parents are awful and you're just so angry but don't know how to deal with that anger and she does it so well it's incredible yeah she is i can't i can't even express how much i love her in this movie and in anything i've ever seen her in i've actually never seen the princess diaries oh really Um, yeah i've never seen them but she's in saved she's in screen two or three screen three and Scream. Yeah. She was in Scream, the the newest one. Um, And she's also in The L Word, is a fun fact. Oh, she is? Yeah, she plays um, Stacey Merkin, who <laughs> gives Jenny Schechter, like, a bad review on oh, her book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Jenny, like, terrorizes her. Oh, my God. And she's, like, not even, a like, a big major role but she's just so funny in in it like she goes to this award show and she can't get in and she like throws a fit it's just so fucking funny she's so great i love her and she's I, in um she's in hostile part two she has that awesome oh yeah elizabeth, she's that awesome elizabeth bathory death when she gets her throat slit open oh i love it i love her heather if you're listening we love you we just love you so much <laughs> Um, yeah, she is so great. And especially in this, and I don't, I don't know if this was her first 
anything um, that she ever did. Uh, but, I mean, it has to be pretty early on in her career because she was only 11 in real life when she filmed it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this was like her first thing. She's so great. And I, I always wanted to know like how she felt about playing Dawn and being just like getting all this homophobia thrown at her when she is in real life a lesbian. Um, I wonder, I, I know I heard at some point that she figured out she was a lesbian because she didn't know what lesbo meant and they say it so much in this movie so she like looked it up or something and then she was like, oh, that's me. Uh, <laughs> I I heard that at some point, but I just want to know, like, after she figured that out, like, you know, like, it just seems yeah. interesting how, how, if at all, did that affect her? I Do you know anything about, like, her post-Welcome to the Dollhouse era? Besides, like, the movie she's in? Just real quick, like, in this movie, they mention that she's ugly quite a few times, and a lot of press in, in you know, when she was publicizing, or, you know, what am I saying? When she was promoting the movie, they, w- they would be like, how was it playing someone so ugly, you know? And I think it really fucked with her self-image for a long time. Which is wild, because she's not ugly. She wears ugly clothes. Yeah. I think it's, There's like... There's a difference. I think, like, she... Because she doesn't... Conf- I don't think... She doesn't conform to, like, perfect, like, the, like, standards of beauty. You know what I mean? Like, she is... I think she's gorgeous. But, like, she's not, like... Like, what people consider, like, hot... And I think people are so fucking shitty when someone looks, like, a little bit not what you, like, think the typical hot person is supposed to look like. And also, when she's 11 years old and you're calling her fucking ugly. I was ugly, gonna say. Like, are and you she's fucking 11. She's 11. Like, she's... And also 13 she's a, when it came out. She's a cute fucking 13-year-old. Like, fuck... She's a child, you absolute pieces of garbage. Like, what the fuck? She's a fucking... Se- I'm sorry, I'm getting so angry. Like, <laughs> like why would you say that to someone I, anyway? I was like, well, well, no one looks good in seventh grade. Like, I was reflecting on what I... Like, seventh grade was the worst... Like, I, this movie also, like, rings true in my heart because seventh grade was objectively, like, the worst grade of my life. Um, it's the worst was, grade of everyone's it's, life. It's, it's objectively it the worst grade. The worst grade of everyone's life. Like, it is so terrible and weird. And, like, I definitely looked like her. And, like, I had nerdy glasses and, like, did, and wore kind of ugly clothes and was just trying to figure my shit out. But, like, we weren't ugly. We were just kids trying to figure out how the fuck to be a kid like how to be a, like your own person yeah i wanted to ask you about that actually like how middle school was for you Ugh. what you looked like was it like this at all it so like i wouldn't say i was like horrendously bullied but i was definitely bullied i like was a huge nerd i always was reading um i this is the most embarrassing thing of my life i I used to wear, like, matching jumpsuits, like, bright green jumpsuits to school because I thought it was so cool. 
like velour electric green jumpsuit to school. Do you mean tracksuit? A tracksuit is what I mean. Okay, because so like, I was definitely picturing like a wrestling outfit. <laughs> no, sorry. Like a tracksuit. Like I would wear like bright green pants and a bright green like fucking sweatshirt. And I thought I looked so hot. And it was the most atrocious clothing choices. And I also colored my nails in with Sharpie. Uh, Sharpie? Yeah. Because my mom wouldn't let me buy black nail polish. So I did Sharpie instead. Because I thought okay. I was really cool. Creative. Maxinista. Thank you. So it was like me trying to be both emo and preppy at the same time. <laughs> so she girl was confused and she got made fun of a lot because she didn't know how to dress herself. So all of the, the cool the cool seventh graders uh, were very mean. Oh my. Yeah, it was not great. I was fully goth, as you can imagine. Oh, yeah. um, I not had... Su- not surprising in the light. In the <laughs> I had my Liberty Spikes still. Oh my god, fuck yeah. (laughs) I used to wear, in seventh grade, I started, maybe I started doing this in sixth grade, but I remember in seventh grade, because I'm pretty sure I still have my yearbook photo, I was wearing, like, a band shirt, but with a button-up shirt underneath of it. Like a long uh-huh. sleeve button up shirt under a t shirt because that was in at the time for some reason. Oh, yeah. And like trip pants, you know, the parachute bondage pants. Oh, yeah. Um, and Macbeth shoes, not because I care about Blink 182, which, as you know, I really despise, but um, they were vegan shoes. Because, <laughs> of course, I wasn't eating meat. <laughs> Um, I really, I really appreciate how hmm? long you've been committed to your aesthetic. I really do love it so much. Maybe we should, as a little treat, if you feel comfortable, post middle school pictures, like one or two. I, I'm going home this weekend for my stepdad's birthday, so I will get pictures. I need to see this tracksuit. First of all, that was in at the time. What you're like? What two years younger than me? Yeah. So you were you were like in sixth grade when I was in eighth grade. That was still pretty cool at the time. Yeah, just not the way I wore that. I don't know. I, I just feel like I looked like I was trying too hard. Everyone was trying too hard in the seventh grade. Yeah, that's very that's a very good point. But yeah. Doesn't this movie remind you of a more hardcore like eighth grade? That movie eighth grade. Yes. It's like if eighth grade okay. It's like if eighth grade and fat girl oh my god had it like a had a messed up baby yes it so is like that if if um if eighth grade fat girl and like the adams family oh my god wow that's exactly it yep that is exactly fucking it because i was thinking i was like this is like a funnier fat girl it you know? is. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, it's a fu- it's a funnier fat girl. It's incredible. It is. Yes, um, I wanted to, like, bring something up that you sort of mentioned. Like, you mentioned that you were kind of a nerd. And usually in these kinds of movies, the, the person who's getting picked on so much is a nerd. And, like, we do get that storyline with her brother, Mark, who... We should mention, Mark is also pretty forgotten. Um, 
they yeah. really don't pay attention to him, but he's older. He seems used to it. He obviously has, like, his coping skills. In, yeah, he's like, like whatever. Down. I'm going to go to college and be in a band. Fuck it. <laughs> and the only reason he's in a band is because he wants to put it on his college resume. That's what yeah, he says. That's his motivation for everything he does in this movie. And... <laughs> Band is really being generous because it's yes. horrible. Like, <laughs> a line that really makes me laugh in this movie. First of all, their band is called the Quadratics. <laughs> and so it's good. him on clarinet, his friend on keyboard, his other friend on drums. And then later on, they add Steve on guitar with vocals. So when we first see the Quadratics playing... um practicing it's their very first practice i believe they're allegedly playing satisfaction by the rolling stones (laughs) but it's so horrible and again it's only a keyboard a clarinet and drums it's so bad and uh the a line that really makes me laugh is it's our first practice how do you think the stones sounded at their first practice so fucking funny I was like, you really think, huh? Okay. <laughs> uh, I love it. Why are we talking about them? Right. Because Mark is also pretty forgotten. He's only doing that to get into a good college. Obviously, he wants to get the fuck out of there. Oh, yeah. He is like, I, I cannot be around these fuckers anymore. Yeah. But Dawn, uh, again, you know, that theme of taking all of the things you expect about the characters and the story and just turning it. She's actually not a nerd, and if anything, it kind of makes her seem like a bad student, don't you think? Oh yeah, she's not. She she is not good at school. There's there's a scene where she gets in trouble, and because Brand Brandon is trying to cheat off of her test, and she raises her hand and tells her teacher, Brandon, of course, is like, "No, I'm not." So they both get detention because obviously, of course, Dawn would get detention. Yeah. And um, everyone fucking hates her. Like, yeah, even her the teachers. teachers hate her. They do not give a fuck about her. Yeah. So she retakes the test after school and gets a D on it. Um, D minus. A D minus. And oh, she yeah. immediately starts, you know, hyperventilating and is like, I know I can do better. I was just nervous. And uh, sh- the teacher accuses her of. of what is it? Grade grubbing or grade grabbing? Yeah, something weird. Some weird thing. Where she... <laughs> Trying to, like, get a better grade than she deserved. Um, and the teacher is like, don't you have any dignity? And she <laughs> makes her write a hundred word essay, which made me I laugh. Lo- that, I was dying. I was like, that's a tweet, man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I could do that in my fucking sleep. Um, makes her write a hundred word essay on the subject of dignity and when the scene comes around you expect for the speech to be like compelling in some way or or at least intellectual but it's actually one of the worst speeches (laughs) given (laughs) possibly of all time it's so horrible she's like Dignity is when you don't grade grub. Grade grubbing is bad if you're a man, a woman, big or small. It I doesn't love matter. that. <laughs> it's like you go, girl, girl. You get it. Get it. You know what you're doing. Get that hundred word minimum. Get that hundred word minimum. <laughs> 
it makes me laugh Slay. so hard because you really think oh she's she looks like a nerd so it'll be a good essay and it's not and their speech that she gives towards the end where she's thanking the school for helping to find her sister which they don't even help to do um <laughs> it's just a horrible speech <laughs> yep. it's so funny to me it's just wild um, I love it. I will say that, um, so the, the, the part that I think really fucking threw me for a goddamn loop. Well, actually, hold on. Let me back up really quick. I want to go back to the band really fast because in the, the band, the, and a new, a new boy joins the band who is like a cooler kid. And they're like, you're going to, you're going to rock at the band, like to getting gigs and oh, it'll be look so good on the college resume. And then they sing this song, Welcome to the Dollhouse, obviously, the title of the movie, about um, a blow-up doll and looks like you, little girl. And I was full-on ready for this movie to jump into, like, a creepy pedophilic relationship. Like, I was prepared to be dealing with that. It kind of hints that he has had, like, weird relationships with her classmates. Yes. Like, he, it does. And then it, I was like, oh boy, is that what's happening here? And then it goes to pedophilia in a different way with the kidnapping of her little sister. I was like, oh, uh, yeah. oh all right. That's fucking weird. But uh, it tries. It's not like this is weird to say, but not for lack of trying on Don's part. Because, oh, well, first of all, he's also in the L word, fun fact. Revolving around Jenny Schechter, he plays Jenny's fiance. Oh. Anyway. Um, Dawn, like, wants to fuck him, but yeah. she doesn't know what anything is, and her, like, classmate tells her that Steve, who is the guy we're talking about, Steve Rogers, mm-hmm. he, she, um, tells, <coughs> she tells Dawn that Steve finger-fucked her. Yep. And then he, later on, you see Dawn looking at her fingers in the mirror. And she doesn't really... You can tell she doesn't know what finger fucking is. And then later on, Steve comes over um, to wait for Mark to come home. And she, like, yeah. makes some food. And then she's like, um, do you want to see my fingers? And he's like, uh, cool. Because she thinks he's going to fuck her fingers. <laughs> Uh, it's so fucking weird but like it but like so captures the awkward teenager experience of like trying to be cool but not actually knowing how to be cool (laughs) yeah and just making an absolute fool of yourself like it's just so fucking uncomfortable but it's so true to that experience of just like trying to figure out how to be an adult not even adult but just like a person yeah and just like using words that you don't you don't even know what they are. Yeah. So, okay, I do want to I do want to talk about something that a question I had that was kind of lingering in my mind while watching this because I started thinking about like the weird pedophilic undertones and it's I got a little bit uncomfortable thinking about Todd Solins as an adult man making a movie with pedophilic undertones about an 11-year-old girl. Oh, honey, you just wait then. Oh no! <laughs> you oh, just wait. No. Like is uh, Todd is, is he a little creepy? I don't like know. like I don't think like, so. Like creepy as in really creepy or creepy as in John Waters creepy? I think it's 
I think it's more towards the John Waters thing. I don't know for a hundred percent sure. I've never seen any accusations about or towards him. I mean, him. like, and I'm not trying to be like a shit about that, but it's just like sometimes my I get like a little bit like my guard gets up a little bit when like he makes a movie that I don't know something about it made me be like, hmm, is this weird. Yeah, and we. We could have and possibly should have talked more about him in the beginning, but there he's he's a pretty private person. He hasn't made that many movies, surprisingly, yeah. and there's not that much out about him that I can yeah. find or that I have ever found. Um, yeah. So what I know about him, he's from um, Newark, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he, he just makes, like, satirical stuff. Let's see. Let's see. See, it's, like, a really short biography. So it says, Salons was born in Newark, New Jersey. He wrote several screenplays while working as a delivery boy for the Writers Guild of America, which, come on, dream job for a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Salons sure. earned his undergrad from Yale in English, um, and he attended NYU Master of Fine Arts Film and Television, but he didn't complete the degree. He, this is actually something you'll want to hold on to. During the early 1990s, Salons worked as a teacher of English as a second language to Russian immigrants in New York City and described the experience as positive. Hold on to that one for next week. Um, uh okay <laughs> no there's just a character who <laughs> teaches english as a second language to russian immigrants in new york city <laughs> and um she has a time huh um he's also an atheist Good for him. but yeah there's like not really much about like him as a person so there you go there you go is there anything else you want to hit on with with this with this suckerino? Yeah, just real quick. I think it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about Brandon and how he also is a character that flips everything that you think about him. Yes, that was wild because that that was, I was gonna bring up how like the tonal shift with him going like I'm three p.m. I'm gonna rape you. I was like, oh my god, what's happening? Like, what is going? Like the what something has fucking flipped in this movie for me that like has put me on edge like for real um but then it becomes this really interesting look i think at masculinity with with boys that i was really that was surprising in terms of like having a lot of rage and anger and not knowing what to do with it and not knowing how to handle emotions and like how that manifests and threats of violence but that's not what you really intend to do it's fucking weird yeah, and it's also just him using a word that he doesn't actually know what it is. I yeah, think. exactly. And then she is just like, doesn't know what it is either. And it's like so fucking sad and fucked up and weird. <laughs> but you know what I just thought of right now? What? So he says he's going to rape her. And then both times that he says he's going to do that, he actually kisses her. So that's interesting. Huh. Like, is that what he thinks that is and why? Like, right? Maybe he equates it somehow. I mean, it could just be a kid not knowing stuff. But. I thought, the way that I saw it was that, like, he was didn't know how to express, like, sexual desire for, or, like, not even sexual, just, like, any kind of, like, 
attraction to her because he's so used to being mean to her. It's like the you know like the, if he bullies you he likes you kind of situation. But like he wanted to do something much more tender, but didn't have the vocabulary for it, and just only knew how to manifest it in violence. It it, it the most fucked up way of equating sex and violence like that you can as a, as a child. If that if that is making any sense. It is, yeah. I I also think part of it is, I think he really didn't like her, and then she was nice to him, and he's so used to people not being straight up yeah. nice to him, okay. that that kind of endeared her to him. Yeah. And we do see, like, he's dating that other character, I want to say her name is Lolita, um, in the beginning, where she ma- she forces... First of all, she's just mean to Dawn for no reason and gets everyone to call her a lesbo in lunch. Um, but also she makes Dawn take a shit and watches her take a shit. Just like, what the fuck? Because, <laughs> just to set the scene for everyone, Dawn goes into the bathroom and... Um, I think her name's Olita. She comes out of the stall while Dawn's going into another stall. And Dawn, like, for some reason stops and is like, oh, oh, hi, and turns around and washes her hands. Uh-huh. And then the other girl is like, you didn't come in here to wash your hands. You came in here to take a shit. For some reason, like, is intimidating Dawn <laughs> into taking a shit in front of her. And it's I was like, girl. So fucking weird. And it's so, it, it's funny when you think about the word dignity in this movie and how she has to write a speech about it and at every fucking turn. I mean, how undignified is that? Yep. Right? Oh. Like, everyone's just taking her dignity away from her at every single possible turn. The poor girl. <laughs> the poor, I, the poor girl. The whole movie, I'm just like, oh God, just fucking Jesus, God. for real anyway he was dating her in the beginning of the movie um so i don't know what happened to that i guess teenage love is fleeting um i forget why i even brought this up but yeah he they he wants to date dawn and um dawn actually like rejects him because she's in love with steve in a really funny scene where she's like i love another man he's like who tell me who (laughs) (laughs) so Um, good but when you when dawn changes her mind and goes to his house later on you see that you see why he is the way he is i think it gives you a tiny little glimpse it's like kind of a dilapidated like almost like farmhouse looking his his brother comes to the door and he i believe has down syndrome and then the father you know he 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 kind of looks like Beverly's dad from It, where he's got, like, oh, the wife beater. yes! Yes! <laughs> um, you know, just, he's obviously, like, a, you know, a single dad who possibly is drunk, obviously has to, you know, make ends meet, and is probably, like, just angry all the time. Um, when she walks in, you can see there's, like, a whole... I think there's a hole in the wall or, like, something, like, there's, a, like, a window punched out or something like that. Mm-hmm. Brandon's, like, Brandon has a room, but, like, his all his stuff is on the ground, including his bed. Yeah. And 
his dad is trying to get rid of him and is just yelling up the stairs like you got 10 minutes because he's gonna send him off to like boarding school or whatever yeah um and you can kind of just see you know why brandon is so angry and he just happens to be the scapegoat at the school like in the same way where yeah. where dawn is both um bullied and the bully you know so is he kind of but his bully is probably at home yeah and you can see you know why he's so angry you can see that people tend to just expect the worst from him so even if he does better they don't care Uh, and he he seems the most the most like emotion we get from him is the part where he realizes that Don believes everyone else at school that he was selling drugs when he really wasn't. Yeah. You know, I just think that's interesting. I I mean, I guess that's not totally flipping, like, the bully thing on its head because we're used to, like, a bully backstory where, like, their parents are mean to them or you know whatever well that was but i was glad they didn't we didn't like get a full thing like that like it wasn't yeah. a total, it wasn't like it there was nothing trying to make excuses for his behavior you know what i mean like it gave some context but it was never like oh it's so tragic yeah. it's just like yeah he's got a shitty life too like everyone here has a shitty life <laughs> everyone's parents fucking suck yeah that's the thing about the whole movie and about mm-hmm. you know all of the movies that we'll watch all the characters are like it's not a black and white thing where people are good or some people are bad they're all good they're all bad for whatever reason they're um, people like they're, they're fucking just weird people. flawed human beings yeah and it's like it's almost like slice of life insofar as it's like you know realistic like he runs away yeah. we never see him again probably because he disappears forever yeah you know, he's fucking, yeah. he's slightly older than everyone else in the grade because he got held back. Um, yeah. But he's what, 14 maybe? Yeah. 13. So he's running off to New York by himself. He's gone probably forever. You know, it's not like yeah. a movie where it all turns out in the end. <laughs> yeah, like everyone's fine and happy. It's like, nope, people do these things and it fucking sucks. Yeah, and, and they almost um actually say that you know at towards yeah. the end dawn asks mark you know is it, does it get better next year and he's like no it doesn't get better until high school and even then it's not that much better they're just not going to be as mean to you to your face they'll do it behind your back i like that about anything <laughs> yeah Jesus. So that's why I chose this movie. <laughs> I'm glad you did. I'm very glad you did. Yeah. So was there anything else you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. I think we just hit on everything that I wanted to talk about with this weird fucking little movie. It seems like you liked it. I did. I really did. Yeah. I, I will say this. I think this is my favorite of all the his movies and i think it's also the most palatable um oh boy oh boy just just i think it's um it's more like a mainstream movie than any of the other movies we're gonna see i wouldn't say 
palindromes is like a little bit experimental i guess um and he does do some stuff if you were to watch all of his movies straight through where he uses different actors to play characters like for instance this i'm making this up right but like in um this movie heather matarazzo could play um don wiener in the next movie it could it could be like shaquille o'neal playing don wiener then in another movie it's like greta gerwig playing don wiener you know he likes to do that kind of thing but um yeah i i mean his the next movie we're gonna watch is probably the most famous if it may be this one maybe welcome to the dollhouse is a little more famous just because it's so so much more like mainstream and i'm pretty sure it used to play on tv um but uh yeah i i think i think you'll like them you might be a little perturbed but that's why we're here that's why we're here (laughs) so should we reveal what we're gonna be watching yes for the whole series let's do it all right so next week we are gonna be watching Probably his most infamous film, Happiness. <laughs> a movie I really love. Um, so that might lose me some fans. <laughs> After that, we're going to be watching Palindromes and then Storytelling. And then we might throw in a Dark Horse if we have time cool so it's gonna be fun i think that this is a good change of pace from the the last few things that we watched the last few series that we watched so is it <laughs> i think a little bit just because there is more humor oh, okay that's fair it's there's more levity than the other things that have had like none. Yeah, I would say I still a dark humor, but yeah, more levity, I would say, somewhat. Cool. I'm excited. Me too. I think it'll be fun. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Watch Once Never Again. If you have thoughts about Todd Salons' movies, Welcome to the Dollhouse, movies that we're covering, let us know. You can send us an email at wonapodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on Twitter at wonapodcast. You can also follow the two of us on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Daxi Bobbin. Please make sure to review, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. It's really helpful, and we'd really appreciate it. We would. So thank you everyone again for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.